We welcome you to the media ministry of Denton Bible Church. Good evening, everyone. I'm going to apologize right at the beginning for every time I have to cough or clear my throat. But we've got such a great passage here tonight. I'm really excited. We may finish the book of Mark for our season. Some of you may not believe that, but we are going to try tonight. Uh, You've seen 42 times Mark used the word immediately, immediately. And that was the energy of this, this young disciple of Peter's that wanted to tell the great things that Jesus had done. And so uh, it's a, some great, great things in the passage here tonight. As I have to do often, <clears throat> we've lost two of our own here in the church at DBC. Melvin Willis passed away on November 25th. He was born in Sulphur Springs, Texas. Married uh, Judy Willis for 41 years. He was known as a great uh, father, husband, grandfather. Uh, he was in the communication industry for companies such as Continental, GTE, Verizon, for 42 years, and uh, some other companies also. He gave back to his company, uh, to his community, whenever he could. Uh, captain of the volunteer fire department, and was on a Kiwanis board and many other things that he did. The, the family says that he was known for a positive attitude, a strong work ethic, his love of people, and was a respected, dedicated worker. He is survived by his wife, Judy, a son, Michael Willis, and his wife, Krista, one son, Helen Harrison, grandchildren, Michael Aaron Willis, Holly Fulton, and Brianna Willis, and two great-grandchildren, along with numerous cousins, uh, nieces, and nephews, and services were held for him on uh, December the 2nd. Also, another one that we lost um, was Judith Ann Timberlake Winslow. You knew her as Judy Winslow. She had been sick for quite some time, and we're thankful that her suffering is over. She's at rest. She's home with our Lord and Savior. She, Judy had attended Baylor University, and she was always ready to tell everyone how much she supported that. She was a homecoming princess and a Baylor beauty and uh, graduated in 1974 with a bachelor's degree in education and a minor in French. Um, She loved the Bible. She loved standing up uh, for it and defending it. She had an upstanding character and a devotion to the church. Uh, I was involved with her and her husband in ministries in different ways and just a pleasure to be around. She loved to share Christ with other people that that might not know him or to share about what he was doing in her life with people that did know him. Um, She married James Winslow and she survived by him, her husband, son Stephen Garrick Hildebrand and Jeffrey Warren Hildebrand. Also by her brother Fred Timberlake, sisters Becky Harrell and Jan Lavender. Stepchildren Christopher Winslow and Angie Winslow Hall. Daughters-in-law, Carlos, Carly Hildebrand and Renee Hildebrand. Grandchildren, Jackson Hildebrand, Avery Hildebrand, Hattie Hildebrand, Jackson Blackwell, Carson Blackwell, Jacob Hall, Weston Hall, and Colton Hall. And services will be held uh, tomorrow, 11 a.m. in the DBC Chapel. It goes without saying that this will be the first Christmas that these families will spend without their loved one. And put yourself in their position, the, the joy that they are home with Jesus because they loved him, but also the loss that we experience here. Jesus came up on a funeral in his day in one of the gospels and he said, why are you weeping? One version says, why are you weeping and making this ado? And he wasn't being dis- disrespectful to them in their sorrow, but he was just letting them know that don't think that this death is, is the end. There's something much, much better. And so... Uh, could we remember those families in prayer right now? Father, we bow before you and we do pray for these two that we've mentioned, Melvin and Judy, brother and sister in Christ, and Lord, uh, two of your children, their home. No more sickness, no more sorrow, no more pain, suffering. No, they don't have to cry anymore. And Lord, even if loved ones would say, well, I wish they could come back, they wouldn't want to come back. As much as they love their families and their families love them, What they've already experienced is far above. 
So Lord, please bless them. Help them during this holiday season. Those are the times that we remember uh, often, as I do even this day. Uh, we remember often those that we've loved and that, that are so close to us that we have no longer in our presence. So bless those families, we pray. Thank you for everyone that's here tonight, everyone that's so faithful to come every Sunday night, those that are online. Lord, we let your word uh, go across uh, the technology and touch someone's heart tonight so that if there's anyone not saved, oh, it's a good night to know Jesus. Please be the preacher, I ask you in Jesus' name. Amen. Something I want to talk with you about tonight in this passage is being courageous. I haven't been very courageous in my life, you know. I've tried to act like that. When you're raised as a, a male in West Texas, you're supposed to be. But I had uh, brothers and sisters, and, you know, there were pranks pulled on each other quite often and different types of things. I do remember one night, I'm allergic to cats really bad. I mean, not just a little bit. If I come and visit you and you have a cat, I can tell you how old it is, what it ate for dinner, everything. It affects me so, so much. But I woke up one night in the middle of the night, I'd left my window open without a screen, and a little kitten was right there on my chest. I still have nightmares about that, but... <clears throat> but uh, growing up in a big family, uh, there's a lot of times when we needed someone to step up. There might be a noise outside when you're a little child. Uh, there's some things that happened uh, in our situation, our family, that someone needed to be courageous. And so I want to talk with you about tonight about the most courageous person there ever was. I often do something that's fun for me. I look at what happens on this date throughout history. I have an app that sends me something every day on this day. And, and I want to read you a couple of those. On December 5th, Charlemagne became king over the Franks in 771. Um, when we were overseas, we ate in a restaurant that they said Charlemagne ate in. Now, I don't know how they knew that, but supposedly he ate there too. In uh, 1949, President James K. Polk triggered the California gold rush, and he announced that they had found gold in the hills of California, and it started. By the way, you San Francisco 49er fans, that's where that came from. Prohibition ended when the 21st Amendment was ratified, and it undid the 18th Amendment. What about some birthdays and famous passings away? General Custer was born in 1839. Martin Van Buren was born in 1782. Walt Disney, on this day, December 5th, was born in 1901. And on this day, uh, Nelson Mandela passed away in 2013. Mozart died on December 5th in 1791. And the most famous of all, my mom, went to go be with Jesus in 1976. She's famous to me. I thought about courageous, and we're going to see some people that were courageous in this passage. And if you Google courageous soldier, you know what's going to come, uh, World War II, you know what's going to come up? Most likely you're going to hear about a man named Audie Murphy. When I was a little boy, both of my parents were in World War II, but I would watch, my mother was always ready to watch Audie Murphy in those westerns. You remember those movies that he was riding horses and shooting guns and, and he was, for about 21 years, he was an actor in Hollywood, Audie Leon Murphy, born in 1925 and he passed away in 1971. He actually grew up here in Texas. He was born in Hunt County. He lived in Greenville, just right down the road here for a little while. He was a soldier before he became an actor and he is the most decorated American soldier of World War II. Audie Murphy received every military combat award for valor available for the United States Army. They, couldn't, they didn't have any more awards to give him. And that included the, the Medal of Honor. He also got awards from the French and Belgian uh, military for his heroism. He was an enlisted man. He was too young to go into the military and he had his sister forge a document and say he was old enough, he got into the army 
And because he had grown up shooting animals because his family needed to eat and he became so uh, skilled at shooting, he became a sharpshooter and he rose in the ranks as an enlisted man. If you look at a picture of him, he's got medals all over. I mean, it's, I've never seen anything like that. War, the most decorated, courageous at 19, listen to this. He single-handedly held off a whole company of German soldiers for an hour at the Colmar Pocket in France, January 1944. Then he led a successful counterattack. Now remember, it's just him. A successful counterattack against that whole company of Germans while he was wounded and out of ammunition. You can watch the movie and find all about it. He's remembered for great courage. And there's a lot of other stories, perhaps you remember, of someone who valiantly uh, went into harm's way and, and protected. Uh, last year, I had the guys back there put a video up here. You remember that little boy who had scars all over his face from a, a dog attack? But what had happened was the dog was gonna attack his little sister. And the big brother said, if someone's gonna die today, it won't be her. And he protected his little sister, got chewed up pretty well, but he spared his little sister. That's courage. That is courage. Well, I wanna share with you out of this passage as we end up for our study this time, the book of Mark, a story of courage uh, like none other. I believe Jesus Christ was the most courageous man to ever live. This story of courage doesn't begin to compare the one I shared with you a moment ago, the military man. It doesn't begin to compare with Jesus and the courage he lived by going to the cross for you and me. Jesus didn't just hold off a company of soldiers. He held off all of the forces of evil, Satan and all of his minions, all the demons of hell. That's who Jesus fought. While he was doing that, he was not just wounded, he's gonna be killed, but he took upon him the weight of every sin of every person that will ever live. Now, we can't even fathom that. If you've seen someone before that's lived a life full of sin and they're old before their time and, and they're broken and, and you can see the effects of walking outside of the will of God, Jesus took all of the weight of all the sins of mankind upon himself. And during all that, he never sinned. Wonder what I would have done during that. Boy, I tell you what, would I, you would have been tempted to say something, do something, act a certain way that you shouldn't. Would you have been trying to make a deal with those who were killing you? Or I don't know what I would have done. He didn't get awarded for all his heroic actions either, did he? Except by us. We, we love him. We honor him. The church does. The church gives Jesus all the glory and praise. Some of you a moment ago when we were singing, raising your hands. The Bible says that that's good. Did you know that? It's okay to do that. Will that men pray everywhere, lifting holy hands to honor Christ and what he's done. He deserves all the citations, all the medals, and all the awards. <coughs> Excuse me. But we see here also that Jesus, who was the most courageous man that ever lived, I believe he was the strongest man, the toughest man, and I could use all kinds of attributes. In our passage, beginning in verse 40, we're gonna see that Jesus' example does something for you and me also. In verse 40, it says, there were also some women looking on from a distance, among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James the Less, and Jose and Salome. Some people say Salome in, in different pronunciation. I noticed that phrase when I was reading this. <clears throat> there were some women, and I want to tell you something. These were some women. Mary Magdalene had been a person that had been bound by seven demons. She was in bondage to the evil one, and Jesus cast all those demons out of her, and she became washed and clean and forgiven, and she followed Jesus the rest of her days. <clears throat> Mary Magdalene, all of a sudden, with the other Marys and the other, there's a lot of people named Marys that walked, there were a group of women 
that did you know that for the thousand days of Jesus's earthly ministry, you know who fed them and took care of them? Women. All those disciples, they had to get food somewhere. They were going from place to place to teach and preach. They'd go out to Bethany and sometimes Jesus would be there with Lazarus and Mary and Martha, but they would go to the city of Jerusalem. They'd go to other surrounding towns and guess who was following them everywhere? Those women. Some of the most courageous people I know today personally are women. I know some mothers who are taking care of children and um, we, we were blessed to be able to have our little grandson, 18, 19 months old right now, and he is full of life. And I forgot how active they are at that age. And after three days, Holly and I were worn out. Single moms taking care of several children all the time, every day, no time off. Courageous. Women that have been strong, also in military, they've been strong <coughs> Excuse me, I'm so sorry. They've been strong as a teacher for decades, pouring into young people's lives. And often, did you know that one of the, the first people that is mentioned when you ask adults who has been instrumental in your life, almost always the first answer is a teacher. A teacher has made such a difference in my life. Well, here are some women they had been delivered from demons. They had worked hard to feed Jesus and his men. They had served. They had wiped Jesus' feet with their tears and their hair. They had anointed him. They had blessed him. And the very needs that he had uh, were met oftentimes. The ministry of Jesus Christ on this earth, much of that ministry was done by these faithful women. They were respected. When I hear people in whatever context, in our country, in our world, that would uh, demean women. Uh, that is just, uh, it's just so ungodly. It's so ungodly, it's so wrong. Jesus elevated women. He lifted them up and let them know how important they were. Uh, know, to know how important they were. So I want you to know that it says these are some women. I know some's in italics, so it wasn't in the original, but I'm, I'm kind of using that tonight, some women. <clears throat> when he was in Galilee, verse 41, they used to follow him and minister to him. And there were many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. Now, by the way, when, the, when it says they came to Jerusalem, that means you had to be brave. <coughs> you had to be brave because Jesus went to Jerusalem to die. His disciples, Thomas was one of them. Okay, let's just go up to Jerusalem and die with him. Peter, I, don't let him, I won't let him kill you. I'm gonna do something about it. Let's just go ahead and go to Jerusalem. Well, these women were brave. They went with Jesus to Jerusalem. Do you know where else these ladies were? They were at the cross. Uh, Peter wasn't. Philip wasn't. Matthew wasn't. Bartholomew wasn't. I gotta go down the list. John was with Jesus' mother. These women were courageous. And that's the second point I want to make is that Jesus being the most courageous man that ever lived, Jesus' courage can change you and me today. He can alter our state. Any of you girls, any of you ladies buy clothes at altered state? I think that's a pretty cool store. I went in there with my wife and uh, I, was, I was saying, hey, I love that. I love the witness for Christ there. I don't know if the clothes are any good or not. I'm kind of out of touch with that. But these women were courageous. These women not only were at the cross of Christ, they watched where his body was laid. These are the ones that want to anoint the body of Jesus. All the rest of those men, they'd run away. <clears throat> they didn't want to be associated with this carpenter that claimed he was God because if, if he was public enemy number one to the world, do you know that's what Jesus was? He was public enemy number one and if you stood up for him, you would be also. These women did. I've often thought about what I would do if I were there and walk with Jesus. Would I defend him? We know that he had to go to the cross and God wouldn't let Peter uh, keep Jesus from being arrested because that was all in God's plan and his purpose. Jesus' example of faith and courage does something to Christians. <clears throat> he, when we come to the end of ourselves, and you know that's a good place to be, 
It's a good place to be to come to the end of ourselves, realizing that we can and he can. If you've not been there lately, uh, hold on, you'll get there. He brings things in our life to teach us. The scripture even says that Jesus learned obedience through the things which he suffered. Now, wait a minute. Perfect obedience, the son of God had to learn obedience. As a man, he had to go through processes just like you and I do to grow, to learn. How do you obey what is right in this circumstance? Hebrews is a beautiful book that says he was tempted with every infirmity of the flesh that you and I have been, yet without sin. That's why he is our high priest. There's nothing you can say, well, Jesus didn't go through this or Jesus didn't go through this. He went through something like what you did in every case, yet he never sinned. Jesus' courage can transform you and me. Look at verse 42. When evening had already come, because it was the preparation day, remember this is the Passover. That is the day before the Sabbath. On the Sabbath, uh, the night before, they kill the Passover lamb, has to be killed at time, the time of the evening sacrifice, 6 p.m. A Jewish day started at six in the morning and it went to six o'clock and then night from six to six. That's how they, they measured their day. When six o'clock came on Friday night, you couldn't buy anything all Sabbath. You couldn't buy anything all Saturday. How many of you older folks remember Texas Blue Laws? I remember in college going into restaurants and you could only buy milk and bread, medicines, and some of the staples they called it. You couldn't buy magazines and everything else. That sounds strange to young, young people. It does, doesn't it? But there was, on our laws at that time, there were laws in the state of Texas that we didn't want to cause people who had those stores to stay open. We wanted them to be home and worship the Lord and be home with their family the rest of that day. Boy, have times changed. But look what it says, when evening had already come because it was a preparation day, that is the day before the Sabbath. And by the way, in God's perfect economy and plan and purpose, what time did Jesus die? Six o'clock in the evening on Friday, the day of preparation before the Sabbath. The exact time the lamb without a blemish was to be killed in the Old Testament before Passover. God has everything under his control. <clears throat> Look at verse 43. I love this. Get ready. Joseph of Arimathea came, a prominent member of the council. Catch that. He's one of those guys with all the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious rulers that are crying, put Jesus to death. It's his group. He is the, <clears throat> the leadership of Israel. <clears throat> the ones that would say, we have the word of God. We can know from God what to do. He is the elite religious people, and yet he, he's a believer. I love that. In some of the conflicts around the world today, I see people that are, wow, they're persecuting Christians. They are set and intent to harm the church. And I oftentimes want to pray imprecatory prayers. You know what those are? That's like David said, Lord, they're doing evil over here. Sick them. Get them. Stop them. But I forget something. Saul of Tarsus was on the road to Damascus to do what? To kill Christians. And I've started praying. Instead of Lord, sick them, kill them, would you just send that lightning that you sent to change Saul on the road and just change their lives too? That some of those that fought, fought against your church today might be brothers and sisters tomorrow. Wouldn't that be good? That Philippian jailer that put them in jail in the afternoon was probably there when they got whipped on their backs, heard them singing praises to God at midnight, and he ran in and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And he was washing their wounds after midnight. That's what I'd rather see happen, wouldn't you? So I'm praying now for some of the enemies of the church that God would just snatch them out of the fire and raise them up to be mighty men and women of God. Well, that's what Joseph of Arimathea was. Who was the other one, do you remember? Nicodemus was right in the midst of those who were <clears throat> against Christ, falsely accusing him, uh, betraying him in every way and seeing him killed. God had two of his secret agents. I love that. One little old lady was in a sewing machine factory. 
She always had a smile on her face. She worked hard, hard hours, manual labor. And somebody came to her one day and she said, how in the world could you have the attitude that you have? You worked so hard for so many years. And she just smiled and winked and said, I'm a secret agent for Jesus Christ. And I do this just so I can share Jesus with the people I come in contact with. I love that. Those are courageous people. Joseph of Arimathea came, a prominent member of the council who himself was waiting for the kingdom of God. And look at this phrase. My Bible says, and he gathered up courage. I love that. I don't know about you, but there's been a lot of times in my life, and I've had some recently, I needed to gather up some courage because I wasn't ready in my own strength by any means. He gathered up courage. Why would he need courage? Because he's going to stand up for Jesus, the one that they crucified. He's going to put his reputation as a religious leader on the line, his family's livelihood. He is going to put his life on the line because they could crucify him just like they did Jesus, saying, you're one of this way. But he had courage and he stood up. He gathered up courage and went in before Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Now, how did he find strength and boldness that he never knew he could possess to ask for the body of Christ? That's a big deal. God did for him what this man could not do on his own. Where did where'd this bravery come from? You remember Peter denied uh, Jesus three times. He heard the rooster crow and he wept. Then later on, Peter's gonna get restored. And do you know that after Peter repents and he truly repented of denying Jesus, he didn't deny him anymore. If you know the, 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 uh, this verse in Acts chapter one and verse eight, uh, let's just take a second and turn over there with me. Acts chapter one and verse eight. Anybody been to seminary here? Raise your hand if you've been to seminary. Anybody ask you to look uh, and list, count all the observations in Acts chapter one, verse eight? When I went, I think I found about, oh, about 50 different observations in there in your hermeneutics. And I thought I was doing real well. And I asked, what's the record? 170. I'm glad that they might have graded on the curve for that one. Look with me in Acts chapter one, verse eight. Uh, they had asked Jesus, when are the end times gonna be? And Jesus said, verse seven, it's not for you to know times or epics which the Father has fixed in his own authority, but you, Christians, men and women, children that are believers, will receive power. You're gonna get something you don't have right now. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. How could I be a missionary? How could I preach? How could I teach the word of God? How could I go and be effective for the church? The Lord's writing there and he said, oh, don't worry. You can't right now, but you're gonna get something. Stay there in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes and you're gonna receive power to make you what you're not right now. You're gonna receive power to be able to do what you can't do right now. Howard Hendricks is famous for asking his students, what are you trusting God for today that only he can do? I don't know about you, but there's a lot of times in my life I thought, I can handle this, I'll take care of it, but I promise you, God can get you in a place where you know that you can. I've often needed to gather up courage to follow Jesus, just like we read Joseph did. So we've seen that Jesus had taken these women and he gave them Holy Spirit boldness. He gave them courage they didn't have, and those women just followed Jesus everywhere. They were courageous, and we honor them today. He gave Joseph of Arimathea courage. I want the body of Jesus, Pilate. Know what he was gonna do? He was gonna put him in his own tomb. Joseph probably, when he dug that out, because they would dig a tomb out of the side of a hill where there was rock, and Joseph thought of, he probably that he was preparing for himself, but he, he didn't know that it was being prepared for the Son of God. Look at verse 44, please. 
Pilate wondered if he was dead by this time and summoning the centurion, he questioned him as to whether he's already dead and ascertaining this from the centurion, he granted the body to Joseph. Okay, you can have the body of Jesus. There's some people that say Jesus didn't really die. Do you know that? They say that he was resuscitated, that his bodily functions just slowed down so slow and uh, that even when the, the soldier pierced that sword up in all the way into his chest cavity, that he didn't die and uh, therefore it wasn't a resurrection. Uh, first of all, when the people are gonna go to the tomb and Peter and all the rest of the apostles, they didn't expect him to rise from the dead. They're all afraid and hiding except these brave women. And I wanna tell you something. I've watched my mama, that one I honored a while ago that went to heaven in 1976. I've watched her turn into a wonder woman when it came to defending her family. Oh, I love it. Here we see that the body was granted to Joseph and before he could give him that body, he told one of the Roman centurions, probably the very one that said this was the son of God, go make sure he's dead. Now, do you think a Roman guard would know whether somebody was dead? He does that for a living. He crucifies people. He comes back and he assures Pilate, this man's dead. If he wasn't dead, don't you think that the Romans and the Jews would have spread that story all over the world and told everybody, we saw him, he never died? Oh, Jesus died. Don't let anybody deceive. Verse 46, Joseph bought a linen cloth, took him down, wrapped him in the linen cloth and laid him in a tomb which had been hewn out of the rock. Jesus was wrapped in grave clothes. One of my professors in college one time was, uh, gave a speech and I'll never forget he had a really, really nice suit on. I'm talking about a very expensive suit. And he said, do you know how I got this suit? He was a real little man. I'm talking about littler than most women. And he said, because I am that size, I go to garage sales. And I find great clothes that have been uh, young men's clothes and they've outgrown them and I can still wear them and that's how I got this great suit for just a few dollars instead of going buying a brand new one. How many of you had a garage sale? Uh, please, please don't tell my wife it's time for another one. Oh my goodness. Uh, when we first got married, I realized that it was a tradition. Traditions are important, aren't they? It was a tradition that she and her sisters had a garage sale twice a year. I didn't catch on until about the seventh or eighth year that all my stuff was missing. Took me a while to wonder where my tools were and some of my clothes and things I'd kept forever. But what do you do when you advertise? Clothes, slightly used. Well, guess what Jesus could advertise? Grave clothes, slightly used. Because he wasn't gonna be in them for very long. He wrote, it says Joseph put a, uh, brought a linen cloth, took him down, wrapped him in the linen cloth, laid him in a tomb which had been hewn out of the rock. And he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. It wasn't necessarily, it's a huge stone, but it wasn't necessarily unmovable until, if you've seen how they did that, it rolled into that groove and then it went boom down in there. And then to get that stone out of there, it would be very, very difficult. So he rolled the stone in front of the tomb. I've got a question for you if you take down notes. Write down this question. Was the stone to keep people out of the tomb or to keep people in the tomb? Jesus had said to his disciples and the people around in three days, I'm gonna rise from the dead. They didn't understand it all, but think about what was that stone for? Guess where those brave women were, verse 47. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Jose, were looking on to see where he was laid. Peter wasn't, Matthew wasn't, Bartholomew wasn't, James wasn't. These courageous women were. They wanted to see where they were gonna bury Jesus. When the Sabbath was over, because you couldn't do anything on the Sabbath day, you couldn't even walk very far, feed your animal, but you couldn't do anything 
under Jewish law. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might come and anoint him very early on the first day of the week. I think it's the Gospel of John that says, about the rising of the sun, S-U-N, on Sunday, Easter morning. They came to the tomb when the sun had risen. They were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone from us before from the entrance of the tomb? Now that's a legitimate question there. These are just women. They're not strong like a Roman soldier or even the guards that were guarding the tomb. They were not big, uh, powerful women in a physical way. And they're asking, they put a stone over this tomb. If we're gonna anoint his body, who's gonna roll the stone away? They were facing insurmountable odds. They were facing something they wanted done, but they knew they couldn't do it. I don't know about you, but this gives me great confidence. The third point I want to make to you now is not, not only that Jesus is the most courageous man that ever lived, and because of Jesus, he can make you and me courageous also. Number three, you know what we need to do? We need to leave the stone to God. You ever had anything in your life that is impossible for you to do anything about? You do not have the strength. You do not have the way. It is something you cannot fix. You cannot do. We are powerless to do many, many things in our life. And yet, did you know that that's what we worry about a lot? We worry about and we stress over and we get stress and depression and anxiety and fears and all kinds of things about most things we cannot control. We cannot do anything about it. In fact, if you talk to psychologists, sociologists, they'll tell you that over 90% of the phobias that we have, the fears that we have, are about things that could take place, but that we have no control over anyway. We can't do anything about it. Isn't that something? These women were worried who will roll the stone away. I've been worried too. How's this person in my family gonna get to heaven? They're not living for Christ. It seems like there's a, a wall put up between when you share Christ with them. I want them to be saved. I want them to be forgiven. I want their life to change. You might have a, a young person or you might have some friends, young adults over here that are going the wrong way and you think, how can I get, to, get the, the word to them? How can they turn around? I love them. I care about them. Maybe a brother or sister and whoever it may be. We simply have things in our life we cannot control. And you know what God wants to do? He wants to get across to us to let him take care of the stone. Let him take care of the things that you can worry about that you can't do anything about. Jesus was going across the, the Sea of Galilee one night with his disciples. He's down there in the bottom of the boat asleep and the storm rages up. I love that passage. The disciples wake Jesus up and they say, don't you care that we perish? There's no one that cared any more than Jesus for them. Don't you care that we're about to die here? I love that passage. The storm rose up and Jesus was down. But when Jesus rose up, the storm went down, didn't it? Peace be still. And it was perfect calm. I drove across a bridge a couple days ago just at, at dusk. And it was beautiful. I love that, that glassy scene of uh, water that is just still. And you know what Jesus was saying to him there? Sometimes he can say, peace, be still, and take the storm away. But other times he just wants you to grab a pillow. He just wants you to rest because it's something you cannot do. So would you guys remind me of that every time you see me? Mike, what are you worried about today that you can't do anything about? Just tell me, just, just remind me, and I'm gonna say, thank you. I need to just leave the stone to God. Who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? Looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away. Lo and behold, those things that we pray for and we ask for and we can't do anything about, is God able to do that? I have a family that I know very well back in the town that I grew up in. And uh, this one child of theirs, really nice looking young man, good athlete, had the desire to be a professional athlete, went off, got mixed up in drugs, got ended up put in prison, was actually in a prison here in, 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 in jail here in, in Denton at one time years ago. And it just looked like this promising young man had just fallen apart. 
And I just heard a, a witness about his life. That his life is so turned around. And I know his family has prayed for him for a long time. And he's doing well. And I just rejoice to, to hear because we can't change anybody else. And I know that there are a lot of people that ask God to help this young man. God had done it. He rolled the stone away. He can roll the stone of unbelief away from somebody's heart. You may be listening online tonight and you think, what could ever change my circumstance? Nobody even knows, nobody cares. God does, he knows and he cares and he can roll that stone away for you too. You just keep asking him. They looked up and the stone had been rolled away although it was extremely large. They don't know how it happened. Entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting at the right. Do you know where, uh, by the way, the right is always the position of honor? Where's Jesus, Jesus when he was raised from the dead? He's seated at the right hand of God at the place of honor. You wanna, you wanna hear something really cool? All of the Bible's cool to me. But in the, the book of uh, Acts, the first Christian martyr, you remember who he was? Stephen. All he did was preach a good Old Testament sermon. That's all he did. And they took up stones to kill him. And it said he looked up to heaven while they were killing him for the name of Jesus. And he did two things. He prayed, God, would you forgive them for what they're doing? That's like his Lord, Jesus. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And you know what else? He called on the name of Jesus, looking up to heaven, and he saw him Anybody know? Standing at the right hand of God the Father. Now, wait a minute. I just told you a while ago, he was seated at the right hand of God. When his first martyr was killed for the sake of Jesus, Jesus stood up. I I believe he was doing this. Well done, Stephen. Well done, Stephen. I got a chill thinking about that. We stand up to honor somebody that's important, don't we? Jesus stood up when Stephen died for him. Wow. Entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting at the right wearing a white robe. We know in another gospel that's an angel. They were amazed. And he said to them, do not be amazed. You're looking for Jesus the Nazarene who's been crucified. He has risen. He is not here. You can go to the tomb, I've told you this before, of Stalin. A communist dictator who made all kinds of boasts of how great he was and the communist ideology. And on his tomb is written these words, here lies the savior of the world. And you know what's in that box? His bones, his decayed, dead bones. When you go to the grave of the real savior of the world, he's not there. Isn't that good? He's risen. with some grave clothes, slightly used. These ladies were worried about something they had no control over. God had taken care of it. He just sent an angel down there. Well, if you want a good study, I did uh, three or four times recently a study of angels throughout the scripture. They're some of the most uh, misunderstood uh, creations of God in all the world. We had 95 different truths that we studied about, about angels. And and many things the world says about angels are totally wrong, you know that? But there are also great things the Bible says about angels that we don't realize. Jesus had told Peter when Peter grabbed that sword and was gonna cut that man and kill him, he cut his ear off. Jesus said, no, he healed the man's ear and he said, don't you know, I could call 12 legions of angels to come and deliver me. Those angels in heaven, they're not little fat, chubby Mardell babies. Did you know that? You might have some of the little chubby cherubs at home. That's not, we have no picture of an angel like that in the Bible. And they're not beautiful women with long flowing hair and long dresses and these great beautiful wings. That's all, that is all uh, for merchandise to sell. The angels that we have of the only descriptions in the scripture are mighty powerful creatures of war that are gonna be used by God 
and are being used right now. Did you know the Bible says the angel of the Lord encamps round about them that fear him to deliver him? You've got angels around you. I used to love to listen to Alabama, the country western, the country uh, group, and they, they sang a beautiful song. There are angels among us. A long time before they sang it, the Bible said, no, there's angels where my people are at. And they're right here in this place tonight. Mighty, powerful. Jesus said, I could call 12 legions of them. I believe they're right there looking at God when Calvary was taking place with that sword in their hand. You want us to go? God never commanded them to leave. All throughout the scripture, there are times when angels came and rescued someone. Powerful. This angel said, you're looking for Jesus, but he's not here. Behold, here's the place where they laid him. Notice verse seven, but go. This isn't the end of the story, Mary Magdalene and Mary and the other Mary in in, uh, Salome. This isn't in the story. Jesus isn't here, but he left a message for you. And you know what? That's what the Bible is for you and me. Jesus as a physical man had to be transformed and translated into his heavenly body again. And he went back to be with the Father in heaven. But he left a message for us. It's this great book right here. And he told through the angel here, go tell his disciples and Peter, he's going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. I wonder if Mary thought, you know, I remember Jesus told us something about destroy this body in three days it'll arise again. And I wonder if she thought, I I remember him saying something about that, but we didn't know this is what he meant. And the angel said, you go, you will see him just as he said. So they went out and fled from the tomb for trembling and astonishment had gripped them and they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. You and I would have been too. Had a conversation with a created uh, heavenly being and told us to go. We're told to do the same. Great commission in Matthew, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, all creation, all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And Jesus said what? And I'll be with you. I'll be with you all the way to the end. Mary Magdalene, these courageous ladies, they're just the first that got the Great Commission. I, don't, I want you to notice something. It says, go tell his disciples and Peter. It, does that sound strange to you a little bit? And Peter? Peter was one of the disciples. But let me ask you this question. Does Jesus know when one of, a, one of his, his children is suffering? Does he know what you've gone through or what you may be going through right now or somebody you love's going through? Does he know? What would Peter be going through right now? Man, Peter is crushed. He is guilty. He is heartbroken. He denied the very one that he said, I'd never do that if everybody else does in the world. I won't. Peter, it said, wept bitterly. And I love the fact the scripture says this. Go tell the disciples and Peter. Peter needs to hear some good news that Jesus is gonna say, it's okay. It's okay, Peter. I know what you're going through. I got your back. I'm gonna come and talk to you about it. We'll take care of it, Peter. I love that. I've gone through a little few things in my life. How about you? And there is a temptation as a human to think, God, where are you? I don't feel you as much as I have before. I don't hear you as much in my heart the way I have before. I don't see your word as illuminated as much as I have before. Where are you, God? David went through that. But God's always the same place. He's right here with us. Jesus said, I'll never desert you. I'll never leave you, forsake you. Even when you don't hear him. (coughs) Even when you don't feel as close. He's just as close as he's ever been. And you know what? When we get to heaven, something like this little old cough, it's not going to mean anything. Go. Tell the disciples and Peter, he's going ahead of you. He's going to get to Galilee before you to get there. (coughs) Excuse me. You're going to see him just like he told you. And they take off running. 
I don't know who outrun, but I uh, was the, the fastest runner maybe, but I'll bet you Mary Magdalene did. She just had to be the one to go as quick as she could. And by the way, the scripture tells us she's the first one chosen by God to see Jesus alive. Did you know that? The first one to see the resurrected Christ was this woman. You don't think God loved her? Oh, Jesus loved her much. But go tell Peter. I wanna read to you, when I was in college, I heard words of this song by Don Francisco. Joel, have you ever sung He's Alive? Have you sung that song by Don Francisco? It's a song about the resurrection of Christ written in Peter's words. I wanna wanna read the words to you real quick. I'll go fast. The gates and doors were barred and all the windows fastened down. I spent the night in sleeplessness, sleeplessness and rose at every sound. Half in hopeless sorrow and half in fear the day would find the soldiers breaking through to drag us all away. And just before the sunrise, I heard something at the wall. The gates began to rattle and a voice began to call. I hurried toward the window to look out into the streets, expecting swords and torches and the sounds of soldiers' feet. There was no one there but Mary. So I went down to let her in. John stood there beside me when she told us where she'd been. She said they moved him in the night and none of us know where. The stones have been rolled away and now his body isn't there. We both ran toward the garden. John ran on ahead and we found the stone in the empty tomb just as Mary had said. And the winding sheet they'd wrapped him in was just an empty shell. How or why they'd taken him was more than I could tell. Well, something strange had happened there. It's what I did not know. John believed a miracle, but I turned to go. Circumstance and speculation couldn't lift me very high because I'd seen them crucify him. And I watched him die. Back inside the house again, the guilt and anguish came. Everything I promised him just added to my shame. And at last, when it came to choices, I denied I knew his name. Even if he was alive, it wouldn't be the same. Then suddenly, the air was filled with strange and sweet perfume. A light that came from everywhere drove shadows from the room. Jesus stood before me with his arms held open wide. And I fell down on my knees and just clung to him and cried. He raised me to my feet and as I looked into his eyes, love was shining out from him like sunlight from the skies. Guilt and my confusion disappeared in sweet release and every fear I'd ever had just melted into peace. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive and I'm forgiven. Heaven's gates are open wide. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive and I'm forgiven. Heaven's gates are open. Oh, can you imagine what it was like for Peter to see Jesus and Jesus to wrap his arms around him and say, it's okay, Peter, it's okay. When I was a young Christian, I used to beat myself up. Every time I fell short and I I sinned in some way, I would get so angry at myself and, and try to prove how sorry I was. God didn't want me to prove how sorry I was. He just wanted me to let him pick me up and give me courage that the next time that temptation came to say yes to him and no to it. You may be here tonight, guys. I wasn't feeling well and it came, you know, I tried to get some people to fill in for me and it worked out just right because this, this message here tonight was really strong in my heart. If you're here and you're not saved, December 5th, 2021 is a good day to come to know Jesus. If you're here tonight and you've been carrying a burden, wondering how that stone's gonna get rolled away, tonight's a good night to give up that and let God take care of the stone. If you've come here tonight and you need courage, men, you need courage for what you're going through, ladies, young people, do you need courage for what you're going through? Tonight's a good night to let the same one that gave Peter and the rest of those apostles and those courageous women and Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus and all those Christians throughout church history all you have to do, Martin Luther, Luther, is just recant your words just to say what you said about Jesus and the Bible isn't true. 
He said, I can't do that. I can't sin against my conscience and do that. And they killed him. John Huss, all you gotta do, denounce that one you've been preaching. He wouldn't do it. And they burned him at the stake. White Wycliffe, all you have to do, denounce what you've been saying about this Christ. And he wouldn't do it. And they killed him. Courage. Courage. All the demons of hell cannot make you take one step back long as you're trusting the mighty Savior. You don't have to be afraid of anything. When the psalmist wrote, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. He meant it. For thou art with me. And that's the difference. Jesus is right here with you. How many of you in verse nine uh, have brackets around those words? Most of the early manuscripts didn't have uh, Mark stopped right where, where, where I got through reading. Most of the early manuscripts did not have the rest of these words. Some people believe that uh, the a copier left it out. Some people believe that a copier, because that's the only way they had is to copy the scripture, a scribe, that uh, a scribe added it kind of like a closing statement. I'm gonna go ahead and read it here tonight, but very likely this wasn't a part of the gospel of Mark. Now, after he had risen early on the first day of the week, he first appeared to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went and reported to those who had been with him. While they were mourning and weeping, <clears throat> when they heard he was alive and had been seen by her, they refused to believe it. Uh, you think they needed courage to believe? I think so. After that, he appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking along on their way to the country. They were, that's the road to Emmaus. They went away and reported it to the others, but they didn't believe him either. They reported it. You know, that's the same thing we're asked to do too. Jesus' power, Jesus the most courageous one that ever lived. Jesus' power transforms you and me and gives us courage too. We have to trust him to do some things we cannot do. We need to leave the stone to him. And fourthly, Jesus' power transforms us to become witnesses for his kingdom. Afterward, he appeared to the 11 themselves as they were reclining at the table. He reproached them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they had not believed those who had seen him after he had risen. He said to them, go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation. Aren't you glad Jesus told them to do that? Because Jesus told somebody who told somebody who told somebody who told somebody, and I could spend about an hour and I wouldn't get enough through enough somebody's, who told my mama about Jesus, who told me about Jesus. Isn't that gonna be cool in heaven? You think you got ancestry.com and you can trace your ancestry? You're gonna be able to trace your spiritual ancestry back to the very disciple that Jesus taught about himself, that taught someone that ended up telling you. There could be somebody here tonight. This is your night. Please don't leave if it is. When the Lord Jesus had spoke to them, uh, wait a minute, uh, I don't want to skip that. Going all the world, preach the gospel of all, all creation. He was believed and, is baptized and has been baptized shall be saved. He was is disbelieved shall be condemned. These signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name, they will cast out demons. Those apostles did that. They will speak with new tongues. Those early Christians did that. They will pick up serpents. Uh, Paul did that. He got bit by a serpent. Didn't die if they drink any deadly poison. This is not any example in the New Testament. It will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick. Those apostles did that, and they will recover. So when the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. They went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them, confirmed the word by the signs followed. that followed. They promptly reported all these instructions to Peter, his companions, and after that, Jesus himself sent out through them from east to west a sacred and perishable proclamation of eternal salvation. And we are done. Thank you for being so faithful and walking through the book of Mark with me. Jesus, the most courageous man that ever lived, Jesus' courage can transform you and me here tonight. Leave the stone to the Lord. Leave the stone to the Lord. Let's pray. Father in heaven, 
We thank you for Mark. Oh, through the pen that you gave him and by the power breathing from the Holy Spirit, we have read the words of this gospel. Thank you, Lord, that you've recorded things that you wanted us to know about yourself and about ourselves. Lord, thank you that you are our savior and you're not in a tomb somewhere. You didn't have to wear those grave clothes very long because you are alive. And just like you forgave Peter of his sins, you forgave me of my sins, you forgave these brothers and sisters here tonight. But oh Lord, if there's one here tonight that hadn't been forgiven, would you let them not be able to leave the building? I don't care who it is, Lord. Would you let them not be able to leave? We go out and pray with them and encourage them to believe and trust in Jesus and call upon his name. They may have a stone of disbelief or unbelief over their heart. It's nothing for you to roll it away. Lord, there may be some people here tonight that are burdened greatly for another person or about a job or health situation, family situation, about the state of affairs in our world, whatever it may be. Give them courage to trust you to to roll that stone away. And Lord, give us courage for tomorrow. We don't know what's gonna happen in our lives, but you do. As I look out here tonight, I see people that I love greatly and they've gone through some tough stuff and they've trusted you to roll those stones away every time that they've been there. And that's encouragement. They've had courage and that encourages me. So thank you for your mark, Father in heaven. Thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray, amen.